And no matter the industry, leaders need to hold these things dear. Who we serve, how we serve, why we serve. This is People, Process, Service, a Frontline Source Group podcast. All right. Hello, everyone. Welcome to another episode of People Process Service. I'm Tyler Kern. Bill Casco is here. Oh, Tyler, always. how are you? Hey, I'm good. How are you, Bill? I'm fantastic. Hey, happy anniversary. Thank you very much. Can we talk about that on the podcast? We can talk about it for a moment. Okay. Well, congratulations. Thank you. I'm working years. towards 20. Well, I'm, uh, I'm almost 27. That's what I'm working towards. <laughs> Every year working to the next. Nice. Nice. Well, congratulations. Thank you. There's a, I mean, you, you kind of came up with the concept, you know, people process service and kind of realized that and like, Relationships in in your marriage is kind of a part of that, right? It's a that's a whole podcast, I bet. Yeah, you know, I bet. just talking about how that happened <laughs> uh, probably relates back to it. To tell you the truth, when it's all done, but yeah, it is. It is. It's all about that. And uh, today, excited about our guest. Absolutely, I'm I'm really excited. Today's guest, Kyle Noonan, CEO of Free Range Concepts. Kyle, thank you so much for joining us. Today. I'm excited. <laughs> <laughs> well, we're excited to have you. This is uh this is really fun. Free Range Concept they concepts they own the rustic, they own mutts, they own bowling barrel. And I'm sure I'm missing other things, but uh, but you guys are prolific in what you do. Um, I've been called a lot of things. Prolific is n- this is the first time <laughs> I've been called prolific, so thank you. Yeah, we've been uh, we've been busy bees. We have uh, now ten or excuse me, twelve units mm-hmm. throughout Texas, four different brands, um, and we're our company is a little over six and a half years old. Really, so incredible. we've been uh, hustling. Can so I- was was the rustic the first one? Um, so actually, I'll I'll. I'll just go ahead and tell okay. you our story. That's uh, the, kind of the quick little story. Yep. So my, uh, I was a, an art major at SMU, and I got room, paired to room with this finance major, and we were 18 years old. We were we were just could not be more different. We were the odd couple, um, but we became fast friends. We became best friends. Um, he and I ended up running our fraternity together. He was the uh, the president and in charge of finances, and I was the social chair. Um, we had been friends for uh, the better part of 20 years. Um, even though after college, we, we went our own separate ways professionally. Um, we always kind of knew we wanted to do something together. And, um, one day he called me up and said, Hey, do you want to go, you want to go hang out tonight? And I said, sure. And he said, well, let's, how, how about we go bowling? And I was like, bowling? Well, I've never, I haven't been bowling since I was like at a 12 year old birthday party. And I was 12 years old. Yeah, just yeah so you thanks know. for the clarification. Uh, yeah. <laughs> um, and so uh, we we were like, well, where do we go bowling? And we quickly realized that there was no bowling alleys near where we lived. We lived in the Highland Park, SMU area. Um, and so we were like, well, maybe that's, maybe that's an opportunity for us to start a business. Um, so we hired a consultant and, and tried to really understand the bowling industry because neither of us had any experience in bowling. And uh, we spent about a year putting together a business plan, which later became uh, Bowl and Barrel, which is uh, we opened in 2012 right by uh, uh, North Park Mall. And um, that was our first. That was our first business. Uh, six months later, we opened a concept called Mutt's Canine Cantina, which is a uh, full-service restaurant and bar that overlooks a private membership-based dog park. So the dogs are paying monthly members, and it's a place that you can go and let your dogs run around while you have a, a glass of wine under an oak tree. And um, we have bark rangers that clean up after the dogs, <laughs> so you don't have to mess with the dirty stuff. And um, 
And so that was our that was our next concept. Our third concept was the rustic. Okay. Um, we opened that three months after we opened Mutt's. Um, and the rustic, if you haven't been, is a uh, full service restaurant and bar that overlooks a three thousand person outdoor concert venue. And um, so within a nine month period, we opened three large scale, very different businesses. And we didn't time it that way. We didn't right. perp- we, uh, we were actually kind of not wanting to do it that quickly, but just how things go sometimes in business, you, you just got to roll with the punches and that's the way it lined up. So we did it and um, it was hard. We didn't do it very well, frankly, you know, on the yeah. on, starting, starting out. So it took us some time to kind of get our, get our sea legs, so to speak. Um, and then, and then, you know, here we are six and a half years later and they're all doing better than ever. So it, it, it's good that, that we figured it yeah. out at some point along the way. So you talk about the people, right? You talk about your yes. roommate and the people and everything. So my, my first question in doing all my research to understand this, which I'm just kind of blown away still even hearing, cause that's a lot mm-hmm. to do at one time. Right. And this is just straight up question for you. How did you get Pat fucking green <laughs> to be a part of it. And I only say that because it's, it's that's what, you know, you guys don't know the Pat Green, that's his name. So how did you, how, what happened there with that person? Yeah, so, I mean, I, I think that one of the secrets to success generally is storytelling. Um, and I think it's uh, whether you're talking to your team, whether you're talking to your customer, whether you're talking to investors, if you're good at storytelling, um, you're going to do pretty well. And the reason why I'm saying that is my, my best friend, my business partner, Josh, um, he had a, uh, he, he was getting married and I was his best man. And we had, uh, two bachelor, I had two bachelor parties to plan one for his kind of SMU group of friends and right. one for his Oklahoma friends where he was from. So SMU friends, we did the, the, the typical Miami, you know, flashy kind of bachelor party. And then the Oklahoma friends, we, we did kind of a down home, uh, ranch. We went out to the Texas Hill country. We were grilling steaks over an open flame and drinking beer and listening to music and just, you know, kind of being guys out in the, out in nature. And by the way, I never had a bachelor party like either one of us. <laughs> Just going to go on the record and say, okay. <laughs> My bachelor party was at uh, Benihana's because okay, I got well, married when I was 22 years old. So Mine was, uh, uh, <laughs> I, don't, I can't even say on here what mine really ended up being, except a lot of people got in trouble, but yeah. Exactly. Well, there you go. That's another podcast. Yeah, yeah, that's a whole yeah. other one, yeah. I, I went to Snuffers. Yeah. There you go. Okay, so you feel. You yeah. um, but anyway, so Pat was on uh, was on that bachelor party. Oh, wow. Um, he he was a, f- a friend of a friend originally and became kind of a, a close enough friend to where he got invited to that uh, to that trip. And, you know, we just started talking about and storytelling about our experience after we on the on the way back home after the bachelor party and just tar- started talking about what if we created that experience, could bottle that, you know, live fire and, and cold beer and stars and oak tree and music. And, um, what if we could bottle that and do a restaurant and, and roll it out? And, and so I was telling Pat this idea and he fell in love with it. And that's awesome. And the rest is history as they say. And that's what it is when it comes down to these people that you you just never know. Yeah, you you don't. In fact, I'll, I'll, I'll tell you another quick story. Um, where we're located in Dallas, our original rustic, um, is on what, what used to be called the Hank Haney driving range. Right. Right. Uh, for those of you that live in Dallas, you probably remember it. Um, and 
I read a story in the Dallas Morning News that they were looking for something else to do there. They were going to get rid of the driving range. It had been there for about 20 years, and they were, they were ready to kind of revamp that site. And I uh, talked to my partner, and I said, what if we, what if we reached out to him and the, whoever the landlord was um, and pitched our idea right. to do mutts and, and the rustic? And my partner was like, nope, no way. Land's too expensive. Not going to work. Well, my partner, when I, and, and my partner is generally the, the, the one that's right between the two of us. He's the smarter <laughs> one. Um, but occasionally I can sneak in a, a, a win. And he went out of town. Um, so I just decided to go and meet with the landlord on my own. And I told the landlord the story. Of, of both Mutz and the Rustic. And he, I thought there was zero chance that it was gonna, that he was gonna say yes. And, right. but he did, he, he was like, I love this. This is the perfect use for it, um, done. So when my partner came back, I was like, ha ha ha. <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, and then that was the last win I've had against him. He's been right <laughs> since. So you guys went, you, you're in Dallas, Houston, San Antonio, and looking at all these locations, you got the same basic three cities. It kind of reminds me of the Southwest Airlines yes. kind of thing. And I'm thinking this happened on a napkin somewhere that came with that mm-hmm. idea. So there's no Austin, though. And you think no. about uh, the restaurant side and Austin restaurants, and, and I don't know why I always do, but I always think about it like that. Are you on purpose staying away from Austin, or is it just you're not interested? And it's too weird. So, I, I, I mean, disclaimer, I love Austin. I think Austin's a fun time to go hang out, go get away for the weekend. Um, we, we did look at, it's funny you brought up Southwest, we actually looked at that model. Um, one of our thoughts early on was we were going to go expand outside of Texas really quickly. You know, we got Dallas now, let's go prove it in, in other states. And I was talking to Pat Green and he, his whole model was, and he's known as a Texas country artist. Exactly. Right. His whole model is, you know what, if I can kill it in Texas, Texas is a huge market and I can do just fine. Um, I mean, when you look at it, Texas is, is you know, what is it? I think the eighth largest economy in the world if right. it's its own country. Um, so we kind of took a step back and we're like, that seems a lot more manageable. Like, let's just try and go own Texas. Um, and then once we do that, then we can start worrying about breaking the Texas borders. Um, and so we looked at largest population bases, Dallas, Houston, San Antonio. Those seemed obvious. Uh, most economically friendly, Dallas, San Antonio, Houston. Um, you know, least amount of competition in our spaces. Dallas, San Antonio, Houston. So we kind of thought, well, why, why are we looking in Austin? Because we kept look, trying to go to Austin, right. thinking that that's what we needed to do because that's what all the cool kids are doing. <laughs> right. Um, but after we kind of studied it and spent a lot of time there, it was like, it's a lot easier to do it in a much bigger and mo- much more affordable market mm-hmm. uh, than Austin. Right. So... Not saying we won't go to Austin. In fact, we are uh, going to Austin with our uh, Mutz brand. Um, but, uh, you know. And that makes sense. I can see that in Austin. Yeah, I mean, yeah. it'd exactly. be fantastic. But when you talk about, like, for the Rustic, everybody always kind of, that's their first instinct. Don't you have one in Austin, the Rustic? It's live music. It's, you know, Texas. It's There's a lot of live music in Austin. Right. You know? Yeah. Um, it's kind of like the restaurant side, too. I mean, your competition is yeah. so strong, and it's difficult. 
uh, margin-wise and everything else as it is. And then in Austin, I guess you have a lot of – there's so much more regulation for anything that you want to do there. Certainly. That it adds extra on top of that. And, yeah. And I think you're probably right. It's probably just the, the, the specialty item that fits perfect. And the mutts, I think, would be fantastic. Yeah. 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 Austin's the pretty girl in the bar. But she has a lot of issues and maybe kind of a lot you know, of baggage has some, has some daddy yeah. issues and is kind of <laughs> angry and maybe hates men. You yeah, know, she's yeah. that. So, um, so you know, that's kind of how we feel about. I never, it, I never thought about it like that, but he might be right. I don't know. Uh, so you so you do all of this and you're growing, but you've got to have the right people then to back you uh, to to run this. I mean. And, and you you jump in here. You, what did you? What was the next step? I mean, you hired some consultants. It sounds like most likely you guys are smart enough to know that. And yeah, I mean, so um, in a past life, I, I uh, ran a company called Pappas Restaurants. So Papado, Papacitos, uh-huh. Pappas Brothers Steakhouse. Yep. Um, I had a, I, I was able to cut my teeth with an organization that really understood um, organizational structure on the on the hospitality side, um, and so I had fortunately for me I had kind of a playbook to go off of and to see how to structure um, from a personnel standpoint. Um, that coupled with the fact that I was reading um, a book. And the name escapes me. It was by Jocko, uh, the ex-Marine. Um, Which one? Uh, Extreme Ownership yeah. is what it's called. And they were talking about um, how the military structures their personnel. And, and they the, the, the military believes that you really can't effectively manage any more than 10 people. Six to eight is kind of the ideal amount of people that you can manage. So the way they do it is the top guy manages you know, eight, then those eight manage eight, then, you know, and then it spreads on down. Um, and so we tried to build our structure from that standpoint. Um, there were a few choices we had to make as a smaller business growing. Um, do we base it off of market? Um, so in other words, do we have a person in San Antonio, a person in Dallas, a person in Houston? Um, or do we do it based off of brand? Do we have our, you know, a person that's in charge of one brand or another brand? Um, we ultimately chose market, uh, and it was just a, pra- a matter of practicality for us because travel is expensive. Right, right. And if we had everybody based in Dallas um, right. and they were on the road five, six days a week, um, we well, got the company jet. Yeah, <laughs> not yet. Um, so, you know, that's the way we structured it. We just said, okay, we're going to be in these markets. We have multiple units in each market. Let's start building teams out within the market. So, so you jumped into it already understanding that the restaurant industry and business, yes. which was huge because just understanding that uh, would be mind boggling to all of a sudden undertake something like this from a just a guy walking sure. in the door. Sure. I mean, you had to have some process then that you set up. We did. We yeah. did. Fortunately, we, again, my background, um, I, I understood organizational process, but I also understood operational process. Um, so we were, I will say, I had the benefit of working for a company and learning from a company that had been doing it for three decades. Um, we got to start you know, with the systems in place from day one that it took them 30 years to build. So that was a huge leg up for us. Um, I fortunately was able to bring on early several, uh, several top level talent individuals to help us that either had a connection to 
the organization I used to run or actually used to work for that organization um, at one point. So they understood the language and the mechanics and the, and, and the process. So bringing top level people in from day one that all spoke the same language and had, and was, they were wired the same way right. that helped us a lot. Right. It was it was costly, and it meant I didn't make any money for the first several years right. because it was paying top level people before we needed them. Right. Um, technically, based on our sales, we didn't need them, right. but um, based off of our where we were going and what we were trying to do, we needed them. But bringing people in are smarter than you that understand Absolutely. it, and suffering through that sometimes mm -hmm. is difficult too. Because you talked about opening up all of these locations at one time. I mean, that's a lot. You're stretched really thin. Yes. Trying to do. I mean, I feel stretched thin sometimes just doing what I do every day. Certainly. Let alone Certainly. trying to figure out you got menus, you've got signage, you've got locations, the construction permits. I mean, that is a, a let alone talking about funding and financing. Yeah. Uh, yeah. That you're, and you've got a lot of hair. <laughs> okay, I mean, this, this guy's got hair, guys. I mean, this, see, this guy over here, like I grew this, up myself. This, too. This, this, this stuff, I grow mine too, but it's it's falling out, and it's not all my daughter's fault. And so, the, I mean, the stress is crazy that people understand. It is. It is. Now, I will say again, early on, I I looked at my partner, and we were kind of the bottleneck um, early on, just because we didn't have a big enough team yet, and things just decisions weren't made as quick as they needed to be. And, um, you know, so I looked at my partner and I said, I don't want to be the, the, the single point of failure in this organization. And he, I knew he didn't either. So we just started saying, let's, let's start building the team early. Um, and so that's helped a lot. That's helped the stress level. That's helped our, our success. I mean, certainly. Um, so I, I think that, that that that's that's something that you don't necessarily want to spend the money on early on. Right, right. But if you if you can make the sacrifices and live skinny, yeah, um, it's it's worth it. It pays for itself. And day to day, right now, what do you, what is your position day to day, or what are you doing day to day with the businesses? So um, the way we kind of divide and conquer my partner and I, we, and really one of the reasons why we're successful as a partnership, um, because most people say, don't get in business with your partner, with your friend or, right. your, you know, um, he and I have vastly different skill sets. Um, we have vastly different interests. The things that he does, I have no desire to do and right. vice versa. Um, so that helps a lot. Yeah. Yeah. So going back to the uh, artistic side and the restaurant side that I grew up in, and he was a real estate, finance, private equity guy. Um, so we both said, okay, we're going to have our silos and we're going to make decisions as a group, the two of us. Uh, so for example, a new project that we might be looking at, he's going to look at it purely from his standpoint and his silos. I'm going to look at it purely from mine. Um, and if either one of us rule it out, then it's, then it's off the table wow. and we don't discuss it. We don't, you know, there's no, 
trying to convince the other one. It's just, a, you know, I trust him. He trusts me. So that helps us a lot. I'm in charge of operations. I'm in charge of marketing. I'm in charge of brand creation. Um, I'm in charge of the, the personnel and the, and the uh, training and, and um, the people development side. He's in charge of the finances, the legal, the HR, the stuff that I would have a seizure if I had to right. do for five minutes. Um, but he loves it. And he, I mean, he sits at his desk and he has six computer screens and he, that's his, that's his world. And he he's, loves he's it. He's just a behind the scene guy. He is. Yeah. He is. Yeah. And, and I think I open my computer maybe twice a month. Right. You know, I'm, I'm from my phone and, and that's, that's the way we live. So you mentioned the hiring and people and stuff like that. <clears throat> and we don't talk a lot about that on the show at all about employment, but I think it's something to kind of discuss, and I'd, I'd be interested in knowing with this, and especially in Texas, with our unemployment so low, mm-hmm. uh, struggles with finding the best people. I mean, how? What are you doing different? And because obviously the growth and everything else, you got to be having finding the right people. Yeah. So yeah. I, I will say this: our industry, the hospitality industry, is that is the single most difficult thing uh, for our industry, and the and moving forward, that's going to be the the biggest challenge for any operator in our space because it has such a high employee to revenue ratio. Mm-hmm. You know, a tech company can do a billion dollars with 10 people working for them. We're the opposite. Um, and so we need a lot of bodies. Um, the other challenge that we face is most people in the industry don't look at it as their quote unquote real job. You know, they're, they're, they're doing it while they're in school or they're in between jobs. So they'll go wait tables. Transitional that, kind of yeah, move. Yeah. That's yeah. a lot of, that's a lot of the workforce in, in the hospitality industry. That's not everybody. We have, you know, people that make great careers. Me as an example. Um, but so we have both a high need for employees and the pool that we're looking for people that are not necessarily going into it with the, this is their career choice. Um, so you, you need to encourage, uh, buy-in. Um, and that really ultimately is where the storytelling comes in. Um, both from a, where we've been, but also where we're going, it helps success breed success. We've been successful. So that helps us attract the, the best talent in the industry. Um, I, I would say I, I don't know how somebody that doesn't uh, a business that doesn't do very well in sales. I don't know how they attract top level people. Um, so we've been fortunate from that standpoint where we've, you know, kind of been the hot, new, cool, busy place. Absolutely. And so people yeah. want to come work for us. Okay. And then our storytelling is such that they see that we're a growing, innovative company, and it's a lot of fun to work with us. We, you know, we work hard, but we do. We do like to enjoy ourselves too. Yeah, it's just unbelievable to me uh, from the side that we obviously work in, which is the higher level professional office individuals, and knowing how difficult it is, and then also knowing that this pool of people they call out there available. It's not a pool. It's not even a pond. It's more like a desert because yeah, it's just yeah. not out there. And so you really do have to steal from others that are sure. looking for a better opportunity to come to work with something that is hip, is cool, is new. And But do you worry about that, that if, if you're able to steal from somebody else, then then that person uh, maybe isn't, because lo- uh, yeah. where does loyalty lie, right? I, well, and that's the problem. And so that would make me think that probably, most likely in the hospitality industry, your turnover is going to be higher than what you'll see. But a lot of that is because they're transitional. Sure. And and you're looking for that. Yes. It's kind of like the UPS in the, in, at Christmas time. 
hires seasonal employees. And I almost think of the hospitality side as you have individuals that are long-term. Mm-hmm. That is their career. They do really well. This is what they do. Then you have people that kind of come and go. Yeah, there. I mean, there's there is a true seasonal employee base in the hospitality industry. The summers and and winter break. You know, students that go to school. Um, so that that is a that is a resource that we tap into as an industry quite a bit. Um, but you do need your your long term stalwarts, right? That. You know, are always well. They're there. your base, yeah, and, and yeah. Well, it, exactly, yeah. and they're the ones that also help to transition those new ones coming in mm-hmm. to understand the way that you operate. It's your culture, and and I'm sure each one of these businesses has a different type of a culture because they're attracting different certainly sections. Certainly, uh, the mutts are going to be a little bit different. Maybe they are than the rustic people. I don't know, but I mean, they're it's it's different. I mean, they they got like animals. Well, yeah, I mean, there there is a personality with each brand and each store, certainly. Um, I think that the the main common denominator is, do you have a sense of hospitality? Um, And I know that means a lot of different things. One of the one of the things we I'll tell you a quick story about our mission statement. My partner and I, we had we spent a year working on our business plan and our mission statement, all this stuff. And I wrote this beautiful, wordy mission statement that was like, three paragraphs long and it was it was poetry in my mind and i was going through our store one of our stores and i was asking people what our mission statements were or was and they looked at me like i was crazy right they, they had no idea what i was talking about we have a mission statement what do you, you know um and so i realized very early on that if if we we've got to change our mis- mission statement so we can get a cohesive uh uh passion and so my partner and I started whittling down our mission statement and, and rewriting it and rewriting it. And we went from three paragraphs to one paragraph and then one paragraph to a long sentence and then a longer sentence to a half of a sentence. And um, we finally got it down to, uh, I guess it was six words at the time. Um, and it, at the time, it was our second to last iteration of our mission statement was uh, create remarkable, me- remarkable memories for our guests. And we said, we still can go further. So we eliminated for our guests. Um, and so now our mission statement is create remarkable memories. And we, we took out for our guests because we wanted it to be about creating remarkable memories for each other, for our vendors, for the community, for just anybody that comes into contact with us. We want people to walk away with a remarkable memory. And um, now if you go into our stores, everybody, everybody can, can knows our mission statement by heart. Um, you know, and that's the first thing that we discuss when you get hired in orientation throughout training. It's what did you do to create a remarkable memory for somebody today? Um, and so that's really the, the core of our, of our uh, culture. Um, but then beyond that, yeah, personality takes over for each store and each store kind of has its own identity, which is fun for me to travel between each store right. and see, see yeah. the different personalities. Well, I think what's really interesting about that is that it acknowledges that you're creating experiences for people that you know visit your restaurants and and work in your in your establishments and that sort of thing. And what's also really cool to me, and I don't know if this was intentional or not, but you've you've paired food and something else, right? Like food and dogs, food and bowling, food Certainly. and music, yeah. and that sort of thing, and kind of acknowledge that that what people are looking for n- now more and more than ever is not just a good meal, but 
a good experience, a good time. You know, was that intentional right off the bat? It was. It was. So we were creating our brands really when when the internet was starting to impact the the F and B business, mm-hmm. um, and we we decided very early on that you need to be in one of two buckets. You either need to be in the experiential bucket or the convenience bucket. Yeah. Um, Starbucks is a great example of the convenience bucket. They they make it so easy. I don't I don't know where everybody lives, but if you're driving to work, you're going to pass ten Starbucks That's along right. the way, and. Um, and you can order on your phone. And, and you can order on your phone. Fa- yeah, exactly. You don't even have to talk to anybody. Oh so they've gone all in on experience. That's why they're winning in their category. Um, we decided to go the other way and go experiential for a lot of reasons, but mainly that's just what we were excited about. We were more passionate about that. Um, and so we started saying, okay, food and beverage is important, and it's, it's the core of what we are. Um, but what kind of experience can we offer around that? And we decided to tap into things that people were uh, very, we decided to tap into the, uh, the experiential component. Um, and more importantly, we wanted to tap into things that people were already passionate about. Mm-hmm. So people are passionate about their dogs. Oh my God. People are passionate about live music. People love sports and competition. Um, and so we're passionate about our bowling in our company. Yeah. You are you, do you get after we're, it? They we actually too. are here too. What's that? Remember last time we were here, there were like multiple markets. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Here at yeah. Market Scale, like, oh, they've got bowling leagues here. They're crazy. Exactly. <laughs> they've got the shirts, but no, we're passionate about it too. We and and this is really a compliment to you guys. We have tried multiple times to 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 bowl with you guys, and and it's been booked. Uh, and so in, when it's on the list again, and it's just a weird deal, but we really have. Yeah. I this time I, now we can I, name I, drop. I don't know. I, yeah, I don't know how I feel about that. It's the <laughs> we're so busy nobody goes there anymore. No, no, no. It's fantastic <laughs> because it was like the top place everybody talked about. Yeah. And 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 I think that's what it is. You want to have that experience. It, we're we're frontline will never be a, a a Starbucks name or a Tiffany's name. Like we're not, okay. It's just not going to happen that way. But we can make that experience close to that. Right. And, and I think that's what you guys have done. Now, why do you say Frontline won't be? <clears throat> it's not going to be the name. It's not going to be a name. Is it? Is it? Because everybody thinks now it's a flea collar. Is that industry specific? or is <laughs> We that had that a- happen this weekend. It was so sad. We were at a fundraiser that we sponsored, and they had a comedian who was not funny get up and actually say, one of the, we, it sponsored the happy hour. And they said, he wanted to thank the sponsor for the happy hour. Frontline said, I thought we were flea collars and... But if you need to get rid of a – what was the exact – Blood-sucking bl- employees. Blood-sucking something other word, employee. Call Frontline. And I thought, Jeez. oh, you just totally just stabbed me here. Yeah. So, But you can have an experience that goes with it. You sure. Know? And, and you, can, you can do things around it that differentiate right. in a way. And, I, and every one of your restaurants, when you even – just look – if you have never been to one, if you have never had that experience, but you look at the website, you want to go. Because it differentiates just from that uh, well, idea. Well, I hope so. So thank it you. It does. No. Yeah. And and if you haven't been and you go and the first time you go, that experience is fulfilling because you know and realize, wow, it is what I thought it was going to be. First time I drove by Mutt's uh, in Clear Fork. Yes. I am not joking. I literally said, I want to go here. It's happy. It, it is happy, very happy. It? Look, yeah. the, the, the dog, the design, the look, the feel. I want to go sit out there. I want to drink a beer and let my dogs go and run. Now I'm afraid I'm going to get in trouble because the dogs, our dogs aren't 
well, they're not going to get along with others, but uh, <laughs> it, it was one of those things that you said, that looks like a lot of fun. You can drive by the Rustic in Dallas and never go in, and every time you drive by, you're going, that place, I'm sure, is bopping on the weekends yes, and at night and every day, and it just has that feeling. Yes. And, and that, to me, says a lot more than you realize because a, a person may not step in, but if they tell someone where to go when they're in town, that's because just driving by, they realize that. Well, and and, not even like in town. Sorry to interrupt. No, you. I mean, no. Not even like just in town, but with social media. And that's what I was going to ask you too, is like, how do you feel like social media has impacted n- not only your businesses, mm-hmm. but like FOMO? I mean, yeah. anytime anyone posts that they're at the Rustic or at Mutt's or anything, I'm like, oh my God, I want to be there. Like, yeah. why am I not there right now? And that that has to be huge, especially for the demographic that you guys are appealing to with like the Rustic, with like music, sure. depending on the age range. And then with Mutt's too, 20-somethings and dogs are like their kids, right? Yes. Because that's the difference between yeah. like people who have children versus just having dogs. No, because that's – and I'm just going to jump onto hers because I was going there also to understand – would this have happened if you had started this business 20 years ago without social media? Because that's what it, I think the way that people ex- talk about where they're at and, and share all of that, would it have had that same type of impact as quick for you guys? I mean, I, I think so. Um, now, I will say this. We, we took advantage of social media early on. I'm fortunate enough to be in an industry where social media works. Um, you know, if I'm in the, uh, insurance business or I'm an accountant, that's pretty hard to get an interesting, engaging social media, uh, site staffing. Yeah. I'm working on it. I know we're all working on it. At at least with staffing, there's some, some, maybe some cool storytelling that can happen with the individuals and the companies. And, um, you know, if I'm in, you know, accounting, that's HR, that's pretty hard, right? Um, so we, we do benefit from that. But what, what also we're fighting against now is now everybody benefits from it, right? And we've all seen on social media the, the cute sign on the wall, like, oh, for sure. you know, tequila is the soup of the day or whatever stupid right. thing that people, you know, put or the neon sign or the, you know, so that's like, we're kind of overkill now, I think. Um, so we're actually scaling back. We want so we want to engage on social media, but we went early on to this whole like we wanted to have cutesy, you know, opportunities for people to take pictures in front of. And but it's so watered down now um, that we're we're going the other way and just trying to make it more about the experience. Yeah, um, like everybody has a flower wall. Yeah, to take selfies. Yeah, in front of or that neon sign <laughs> yeah. or something, you know, right? And so, um, social media is obviously a big part of it, right? And and the FOMO com- for sure component, right? Yeah, yeah. I don't. I, I'm sitting at home by myself on my couch, and all my friends are at the yeah, rustic the having rustic. a good time. I need to go. Yeah. Um, but. It also helps that we're in a we have brands that have dogs and live music and right. things like that. So so it's not just a static, you know, post against a, a cute sign. I just think you know when you um, think of like mutts, and I'm going to go back to that yeah. just because of the dogs. Twenty years ago, would it have been the same thing? You know, you would you could have had the location, but it, because of the fact that you can go out there with your dog and you share that and you're enjoying a beer and yeah. sitting outside, I think that just adds more to it. Where people are like. Hey, I didn't even know this was here. I mean, there are still people in Fort Worth that don't realize that there's a Clear Fork outdoor mall 
yes. with Neiman's and everything else down there. And so there's still today people we run into in Fort Worth will go, we have a mall. I didn't yeah. even know that. And you're like, yes, it's huge. Don't go there. Uh, <laughs> it's already crowded. Uh, so, I mean, that to me is just a, an interesting part of it that it's really helped you guys to expand because I think the experience is what people are talking about. It is. It yeah. is. It is. So, yeah, I mean, we all live half of our lives now on our on our phones. And so if you can reach the consumer that way, uh, that certainly helps. Right. Um, One thing I noticed on the Mutz thing, and I don't know how much you can talk about this or not, or if you don't even want to, we can cut it out. <laughs> but uh, it, it talked about franchising it. Yes. And that to me is really interesting. Can you elaborate it's on that? It's interesting to me too. Okay. Yeah. Uh, are, are, so two locations right now, and those are Correct. owned by you guys, or are those? We own the two locations that are currently open, okay. Dallas and Fort Worth. Um, all of our other brands, uh, we are uh, they're going to be corporate-owned stores. Mutz is a really interesting opportunity for us to grow through the franchise model right. uh, for a couple of reasons. One, the startup costs um are less than a million dollars very reasonable which uh you know a rustic is closer to 10 million dollars to open you know so um it it, from a financial standpoint early on it's it's a much more palatable franchisee model um but a couple other things that make it interesting to franchise uh first and foremost the building is a prefab building that we have built in georgia Um, so when you find your site, if you're a franchisee, you find your site, you go online, you place the order for your building. It shows up in six weeks, takes about a week to hook up. Um, and you're ready to go. Wow. There's, so there's no, you know, there's no, I love this design. I mean, and these buildings come fully equipped with, with equipment and I mean, everything down to the paper towel holders are already on the wall. So there's, there's not a lot to figure out. True turnkey. Exactly. Um, so from a, from a simplicity of opening, uh, it makes it a lot more user-friendly. And then secondly, our, our operation is built around it's membership based, which is great. Um, and that's the majority of the revenue, but the, the F and B component is not super complex. Um, and so we, because we wanted to, to be something that that was manageable. Um, one of our investors is a guy named Todd Graves. He owns uh, Raising Canes, um, and just getting to know him and talking to him, he he said one of the keys to his success and growing to 500 units and you know in about a decade uh, was he said our our training manual is about three pages long because it's fried chicken and French fries. <laughs> You're fine. So I, I look at all these ideas. I'm like, these are all like fantastic concepts. But obviously, you know, not all great ideas make it to be great restaurants and great, you know, profit building uh, establishments and that sort of thing. What do you feel like was the key differentiator from you, for you to go from great idea, inspiration, all the way through creation to you know now the the full embodiment of of what your vision was? Um, yeah, I I think that ideas are far vastly overrated. Um, I think execution is the game and just going and making it happen. Um, I mean, we can sit around this room and think of the next great ideas that are going to happen over the next decade. It's the difference is who's going to actually make it happen. Um, you know, and you look in, especially in our space, but really in the industry, some of the brands that have just stood the test of time, it's not because their idea was so great. It was just because they execute better. Um, and so that's really where we focus on. I mean, we like to have inventive, creative things. 
and concepts, but it really, that's all fodder compared to, to the execution component. And I think that's where we've done well is we just go and make it happen. Um, I mean, a lot of, I've, I've had so many people pitch me ideas. Hey, I've got the Uber for cheeseburgers <laughs> or whatever. And it's like, that's cool. Make it happen. And nobody does. Right. You know, do you have a favorite? Well, your one of these, it's your favorite line. A favorite. One of these, one of the, your brands, the rustic, um, or the, the bull bear, the Is there one that stands out? That do you have like, a favorite child? <laughs> Some days, yes, like, I don't, do. Don't ask me that question. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> I mean, I, I wouldn't tell my my real favorite child. Uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, I, I don't. I, yeah. I mean, I love them all for for different reasons. Yeah. Um, I mean, you know, obviously, Bowl and Barrel is special because it was our first. Uh, exactly. Um, Mutts is is special because it, if you go to Mutts and have a bad time, it's it's your bad person, right. you know. <laughs> um, and then Rustic is is obviously the Rustic. It's been a lot of our success from a financial standpoint uh the general public which we haven't really touched on no we haven't touched on um, talk about that so we have two general publics that's our first and really our true restaurant and bar right? yeah. um it's an american gastro pub we have one in san antonio one in houston and that was interesting because it was really based off of uh what we saw going on in dallas where we opened bowl and barrel we, like you pointed out, we are busy a lot of times and you have to make reservations early. And um, and there was a bar that was open next to us and they were busy and it wasn't very good. Um, they're, they're not open anymore, so I can I feel comfortable talking about it. <laughs> but I got to know the owner and, and I was like, why, where's your business coming from? Why, why are you guys busy? And he said, honestly, 50 to 60% of our business comes from you guys because you guys are on a wait People will go in, put their name on, wow. on, on at Bowl and Barrel. Uh, be, we're on a two-hour wait, so they would go next door and eat and drink and hang out till their lane was ready. Um, and so we decided we were we were in the process of opening San Antonio, Houston, Bowl and Barrels, and we were like, you know what? Instead of feeding our neighbor, let's just be our neighbor. So we decided to take the space next to a next to the bowl and barrels in each market and create our own brand and do a better what we felt was a better job um, and so that was a kind of a a fun project for us because we just decided let's just go do it ourselves right and uh, it ended up being really dang good yeah so we're, we, we love that concept that's that's funny yeah I, I don't I just I, I'm so impressed Kyle I can't I, I just can't tell you I, I'm really just a, a incredible story to hear, and uh, <clears throat> I, I don't know. It just makes me want to go eat right now, uh, <laughs> but, or, or go to yeah. Or, and, and I don't know how you stay in good shape like this. And every time you turn around, you're you're in that in, eating food now. So, I, I have the you. body for radio. I <laughs> that. If there's anything that you could tell like yourself, maybe ten years ago, um, from all the lessons that you've learned thus far. What do you? What piece of advice would you give yourself? That's a good question. I I would say ultimately it's patience. I thought I was going to be, you know, be able to buy the Dallas Cowboys by now, um, and if it you just would, that'd be great. It, it, well, I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> do you yeah. know Mark Cuban? I I, I do not you well, do. but no, okay. um, I don't think he's in the market to sell, and I don't <laughs> think I'm a qualified buyer. But. Um, you know, I, I just think it's patience. It takes a long time to build a business and 
you know, we live in a world where you want it now and you want it fast and, um, and, and it just doesn't happen fast. And I think that if you want to truly build something that can last, it takes time and you have to stay patient and stay the course and not get discouraged when, you know, it's Stuff been two years out. and you haven't made money and you yeah. know, that kind of thing. I mean, there have been so many times, even recently where I'm like, I, I guess I'm going to start driving for Uber now, or I've got to, you know, get a, get a, you could drive people to the route. rustic. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. You're like, Hey guys, you know, where are you going tonight? Yeah. Yeah, we're to the rustic. Got awesome. a few suggestions for you. <laughs> um, so I think that's, that's probably the biggest thing is just patience. I mean, it takes, it takes time to build it, you know? Um, and we don't always want to be patient. You know, we want to be rich and have a jet and, you know, have a fancy car right now. Right now. Because that's what everybody else on social media apparently yeah, does. does. Yeah. You know. So. You still work 60 hours a week? Yeah. Oh, yeah. I mean, I my, my schedule, I, I love my schedule because I, A, I'm in a business that really isn't traditional office, office hours. Right. You know, it's a lot of nights and weekends. And, um, you know, so it's it's very flexible from that standpoint. I also, I don't, I hate the people that say, if you never work a day in your life, if you do what you love, you know, that kind of thing. It's, it's somewhat true. Some, you know, I mean, it's still hard and there's a lot of stress, uh, but I have a lot of fun doing it too. So I, I kind of, those lines between work and, and pleasure get blurred a lot. You never lose the fun. Yeah. Fun is what, uh, that makes it every day, no matter, as you said, the ups and downs and, we all have bad days, and, and I always say tomorrow's another day. And yeah, yeah, you, know, you, yeah. you learn from it and you move on. And, and really, it's an incredible story, <clears throat> and uh, it's just really an honor to Chapter have Chapter one, hopefully. Appreciate. Yeah, I, yeah, I'm excited to see what comes next. And that, when I was reading about the Mutts and the franchise thing, I thought, now that is something that I could see is, a, is something that could go nationwide Well, that's, that's another I mean, one of our goals. I mean, you know, we, we created that brand, and that, that – we created its own category is really what it did. And we started seeing pretty quickly people trying in other markets, trying to knock it off. Right. And so we were like, if we're going to go and, you know, be first to market, we can really only do this through the franchise. I mean, it's model. And the Um, name is perfect. Yeah, it it works. And that, you know, that, that was a tough thing. We just from a, uh, I've learned a lot from a, uh, from a branding standpoint, mm-hmm. um, how to brand, how to trademark, how to, you know, those yeah. types of things. Um, and so, you know, moving forward, our new brands are going to be a lot more easily uh, trademarkable. Right. Um, it's hard to, it's, it, it cost us a lot of money to be able to trademark mutts. I'm sure it did. Um, but we got it. Yeah. And it, but it took us several years and a lot of money. Yeah. Um, but yeah, the franchise uh, process has been interesting. Um, it took us about a year and a half to get everything legally lined up mm-hmm. um, to be able to sell in every. Mm-hmm. And well, we're in forty-eight of the fifty states is okay. where we can sell, um, and uh, that took us some time. But once we went live with it, which was a couple of months ago, it it's really done well. We've already sold eleven units. Wow. Uh, in a few months. That's fantastic. Uh, so we're we're excited to get those online and get those going. Scottsdale, Phoenix. Uh, yeah, we're actually all the uh, <laughs> yeah we we are we're spending a lot of time in Scottsdale. We need to talk about Phoenix. That. Uh, Tempe is an interesting market. Yeah. Um, we're spending a lot of time in Colorado. Yeah. 
yeah. oh, uh, sure yeah. for the the <clears throat> Mutz brand, the Rustic brand, Bowl and Barrel, all, all of our brands. Um, w- w- our growth pattern is really we want good weather states, we want business friendly states, um, and we want we want cities that have an NFL team. Oh, those, nice. are the, okay. those are the those uh, are the kind of qualifiers for us. And the NFL team connection is. We feel like if it's big enough for an NFL team, it's big enough for us. I love it. I love it. There you go. There's <laughs> there's the wisdom of all wisdom for opening a business, my friends, right there. I love it. Yep. I love it. Well, this has been a fascinating episode, and now I'm hungry. So how, how many how many guests have you had? Would you say? Uh, on on, on our least, podcast, yeah, I think this at is number 10. twelve. Yeah, twelve. Yeah. Where do I rank? Oh, this was this was pretty good. Number one. Yeah, hopefully. it's gonna be number one <laughs> for sure. Yeah. Numero, we're gonna get a numero. VIP pass to the rustic. It's gonna be number one. I'll tell you right now. <laughs> no, we're having our company party at Bowling yeah, Barrel. Yeah. Thank we're you. We're having a Bowling Barrel. I can tell you that next quarter for sure. I know a guy. <laughs> no, th- it was very yeah. very interesting. I mean, it just uh, the the way to build a business and how to do it is not an easy thing to do, and to be able to sit and talk about it now with that confidence and 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 you can tell. I mean, you've been through the blood, sweat, and tears of it is a huge accomplishment. And well, Bill, just, as humble as he is, doesn't give himself enough credit where we have entrepreneurs on and business leaders and stuff in DFW, but he really has done it too. Right. Yeah. Which I think it's awesome because he gets to interview fellow business owners, entrepreneurs, leaders, stuff like that. And you're sitting right across from a guy That's who right. did it too, yeah. which is awesome. You're very so. kind. The legend. I haven't. Yeah. I, I couldn't cook anything, okay? <laughs> I can barely bowl as it is. Okay, before we, before we sign off, I want you to tell Bill about the potato. How much did you spend on that potato? Oh, in Miami, yeah. Uh, at Pappy Steak. Have, have, you're yep. going to Miami soon, right? Yep, we're going uh, three weeks from now. We'll be there, yeah, yeah, so Pappy Steak. Uh, now, it, it is hard. We're from Texas. We know our steakhouses. I don't get that excited about steakhouses in other markets right. usually. Um, but I uh, went to this steakhouse um, on a recommendation from a friend, and the steak was good. The, the atmosphere was great. But this potato okay. it was a baked potato with caviar on it. And it was I think it was 110 bucks for a baked potato for or 105 bucks or something. And uh, my girlfriend is – now still with me because of that so <laughs> okay so it was worth every penny i okay. mean she loved it i loved it it was it was outstanding it was really how good. was the steak the steak was the, the potato oh, the potato okay <laughs> go with the potato the steak was good i mean again we're where, in, where we're was this? Texas. it's called it's in miami it's okay. called pappy steak okay gonna have to check it out yeah it was good going just for the potato that's I right i love it i love it Jeff I love benjamin it. on a yeah. potato there we go <laughs> i'm gonna walk in i'm gonna go do you know kyle <laughs> Peel the potato. Don't do that. Don't do that. <laughs> uh, well, this has been awesome. Uh, we'll be back soon with another episode. But until then, Bill. Thanks, everybody. Check us out on Spotify and uh, Apple Podcast, iTunes. What's it yeah, called? That's what they call it. Called. Yeah. I yeah. know the link is on the, the website. Check days. it out. Yeah, the kids, yeah. they change it all the time. Wherever you listen to podcasts, it's everywhere. Check it out, guys. Yeah, yeah. And uh, we'll be back soon. But until then, thanks, everybody.